Que Spooky Podcast contains explicit language and content that may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. to the Kiss Spooky Podcast. My name is Kevin. And I'm Andres. And uh, we're two guys scaring each other with stories of paranormal encounters and true crime from around the world. Uh, so this is our pilot episode. So we don't know what we're doing. Well, I feel like Joss Whedon. Who? The guy that writes TV shows. He wrote Buffy, Firefly, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. first couple seasons. Oh, Sorry, I've never seen those two two, uh, two shows you mentioned. Wow. I've never seen Buffy, because I think when it came out, I didn't speak English. Um, and Firefly, I know it only was around for like two seasons. Um, One, actually. Oh, never mind. And okay. a movie. Okay. So, uh, how are we going to do this? Who's going to start? Um, I, I don't know. Like, I mean, you can start first if... I'm, well, we have like our own topics. I don't know if you know what my topic is. I don't know what your topic is, but if you feel like, you know, do you want to start off strong or? I feel like my story is probably the weaker of the two. So I'm going to go ahead and start. Oh, don't say that. Um, well, there wasn't a lot of information. Uh-huh. I wanted to do kind of something that like people don't really talk about. And um, so I pretty much just wrote my notes and decided that I wanted to talk about Humberstone, Chile, which is um, a town in the Atacama Desert where a lot of kind of bad things happened. Mm-hmm. So, sorry, what was the topic? A town, Humberstone, Chile. Okay, mm-hmm. so basically, this town was established 1872 by this guy named uh, James Humberstone, and it was when a lot of Europeans were coming to South America um, because there was a lot of. Um, Sodium nitrate, also known as salt pepper, which is a fertilizer. They used it a lot in Europe to fertilize crops. It became a huge export in Chile. There was like a bunch of these um, oficinas, basically like their little, the mine and the town around it would mm-hmm. be called an oficina. And okay. there was different oficinas everywhere. A township. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, so the, the town of Humberstone had like 3,000 to 3,600 people at the uh, at its peak mm-hmm. when they had the most people living there. Uh, and you said this is in a desert, right? Yeah, in the Atacama oh, Desert. Okay. So I think it's northern Chile. And uh, so this area of the Atacama Desert is actually considered the driest and the hottest part of the Atacama Desert. There's very minimal rainfall. The temperatures are pretty extreme. It, it gets up to like 100 degrees during the daytime but drops to freezing at night. So it's mm-hmm. just the weather's kind of extreme. The town Humberstone is uh, still pretty intact, but um, it's starting to fall apart. In 2000, 
2005, it was actually named a UNESCO World Heritage Site because of the impact the town had on the language and creativity of the Pampino people. Did you know about the Pampino people? No. The Pampino people were pretty much people from Bolivia, Belize, Argentina, Chile, that Chile that all came together to work at these mines and say they intermingled and had kids and stuff. And so it became like this own like subgroup of, of uh, Bambino people that live in Chile. Okay. So pretty much. So it started in 1872. The boom went through all the way through the 1930s. And then in the 1930s, uh, physicists in Europe actually made a uh, synthetic fertilizer. Mm-hmm. And so at that point. Um, you said what year was this? 1930s. 1930s. Okay. <clears throat> so in the 1930s. The synthetic option was made and it greatly impacted the export of salt pepper from Chile, which um, eventually made it to where in the 1960s, Humberstone actually had everybody evacuate the town. So it's it was considered a ghost town in the 1960s because of the synthetic right. alternative. Right. And, and that was pretty much at all the oficinas in Chile. There's, mm-hmm. I think, only a handful of them that are still in operation. Uh-huh. They pretty much emptied out. But right now... Um, like I told you, it's in a, a UNESCO World Heritage Site, but recently it's starting to fall apart because Humberstone is so close to the ocean mm-hmm. that when waves splash up, there's a kind of like the salt in the water because becomes atomized into a fog. Mm-hmm. And so the fog will roll in and just cover everything with like salt. So the salt's getting into like the wood and the metal and corroding the metal and everything's starting to fall apart. You can't really go inside any of the, uh, some of the buildings now because they're pretty much a danger to be in. Mm-hmm. And um, so a lot of tourists visit here. So let's get into the good stuff. The meat and potatoes. I'm just kidding. Sorry. Please clap. <laughs> wow. What happens is, is these Pampino people suffered a lot in mm-hmm. these oficinas. What happened a lot was that, um, so you had, for example, this guy, James Humberstone. James Humberstone owned the, the town, the oficina. He owned the stores. He owned basically everything. And so all the people in these different towns, these different oficinas had different currencies. So you can only use your currency in the oficina you lived in, but that's the only currency that you got paid in. You couldn't switch it into legal tender of the the country. What the fuck? Yes. That's kind of sus because it's basically like you're paying them and you're like, you can only use this money with me. Yep. And what what would end up happening a lot is they would go months without paying these people. Mm -hmm. Months. And if... You pretty much pissed off James, mm-hmm. the guy that owned the town. He wouldn't stock the retail stores for clothing. He wouldn't stock the grocery stores. He just pretty much was like, fuck you guys. Like, you pissed me off. Fuck you. So, no food for you. And oh you, and I remind you that the houses that these people lived in were also owned by him. He owned literally everything. What so, the fuck? Yes. He's basically allowing these people to move in and then he's like, by the way, I own everything. I mean, most of the, I'm assuming most people that moved to a town like this really didn't have many options to begin with. Right, right. These were people that were immigrants from other places. Like I told you, they came together and became the Pampino people. Mm-hmm. And there was also, you know, just so many immigrants from a lot of different countries coming into these oficinas and working them. And a lot of them were dying. The conditions were terrible. There was a lot of safety conditions. Like a lot of the kids would get run over by the trains that they had taking the sodium nitrate back and forth they had like little trolleys kind of Mm -hmm. that would cut through the town the kids would get run over all the time people would lose limbs from the trains from not jumping out of the way fast enough 
There was no safety equipment. So people would fall into these boiling hot water vats that they used to clean the sodium nitrate Mm -hmm. all the time. People would slip and lose limbs in actually working in the mine and not getting losing their limbs on the train. Yeah, I didn't. I mean, I'm I'm sorry. I didn't even think about asking, but I'm sure like working conditions were not the most ideal for these people. Like, yeah. If he owns everything, like, and who's gonna complain? Right. They'd right. Be like, what? Well, you're gonna complain? Fine. No food for you. <laughs> exactly. These people were treated like slaves. They would have people on horses that would go around and whipping people. Like, could you imagine? You show up to work, and you're there for a paycheck. And if you're not working fast enough, they would beat your ass. Hell no. <laughs> like, what no, the hell? No, like, I'm okay. out here like. But again, like we said, these people no, really my... didn't have any other option. It... <laughs> and you couldn't leave. Hesitate. You basically had fucking Monopoly money. <laughs> like the guy oh would God. pay you in Monopoly <laughs> money okay, and you could a... only use it to play the game there. And that was it. Like if you left, you couldn't use your money for anything else. Yeah, that's a good comparison. It's yeah. basically Monopoly money. So, um, But that's basically it. It's like it's not even a real economy. This, these, this guy just made them dependent on him. Yeah, exactly. Wow. He made them dependent so they could treat them as horribly as they wanted to with no repercussions. Mm -hmm. Like you couldn't spend your money anywhere else. So you had to endure being beaten. You had to endure the heat. You had to endure the cold. You had to endure the safety conditions that were non-existent. Like they pretty much just treated you how they wanted to. And you couldn't really do anything about it. And this was an, uh, this was actually happening in all the oficinas in Chile Mm -hmm. to where, um, it brought up a time that's referred to now as a social question, the time of social question. So a lot of there was a lot of social unrest. A lot of Pampino people were complaining and striking and stuff. And so there was a lot of strikes that led up to this one specific strike. So pretty much what happened is there's this town called Iquique that's probably like 30 miles away from Humberstone. It's not very far. It's maybe like a 20, 25 minute drive. And so they showed up. All of them did. In 1907 is when they got together. They rallied together along with a lot of people from other oficinas. So there was a bunch of them. And all these people were the wives, the miners, and their kids. And the wives, miners, and kids from other oficinas. So they all got together, rallied in the town of Iquique. And they all showed up to this, uh, this school called Santa Maria. So when the strikers arrived, the town mayor, which was Rafael Sotomayor Gaete... Um, was kind of like, you know what? I don't really like these people, so we got to get rid of them. So he told his general, Roberto Silva Renard, he's like, do whatever you have to do. Warn them tomorrow morning and get them out of here. I want them the fuck out of my town, right? Mm -hmm. So Renaldo pulls up in the morning and he's like, hey guys, you have one hour to vacate the area or you're all going to die. So obviously, like, these people were like, they're not going to shoot us. Surely. Oh my God. So, an hour later, they opened fire scared. with oh, artillery, no. artillery fire, killing about 3,600 people. What so, basically, fuck? the population of Humberstone was killed. That's a whole town. What yes. The fuck? Keep in mind that it, it wasn't everybody from Humberstone. Like, not everybody went. Mm-hmm. It was just it, the population was up from all the other oficinas and their kids and stuff that rallied there got together. And it was 3,600 people and they all died. Um, they kept this shit quiet for years. They buried all these people in a mass grave and refused to talk about it until very recently. In 2005, did. all this didn't really, really come out. And like the, the government wasn't like, we did this until mm. do- 2005. 
That's almost a hundred years. Yep. Wow. They and they had a commemorative day, and you know they were like, oh, in remembrance. And obviously, it wasn't these people. These people that killed all these people were dead by then. Mm-hmm. But they were like, this is really embarrassing, and we didn't really want to talk about it. But we have to talk about it because we have to remember these people that were killed. Yeah. And so it, it's just really sad. It's just these people went and looked for a better life and went to go strike. None of them made it home. They all got yeah. killed. Women, children, and their husbands, the miners. Oh, God. I can't yep. even imagine thinking like people back home. It's like you always hear of like, oh, a new opportunity arises like in a different country. And like, oh, my God, it's like a once in a lifetime thing. And it's like these people actually did it. And now their family doesn't hear from them. Yep. I mean, it's kind of a good step in the right direction to have admitted to what happened. But like it you said, like done a lot sooner. To yeah. Be like what's it? It doesn't help anything just com- to confess that they fucked up a hundred years. Like I'm sure, yes, a few generations afterwards may have still felt rep- the repercussions. But it's like, why didn't you do it when it mattered? Yeah. Exactly. So, um, like I said, this this happened in 1907. Mm-hmm. The facts of the massacre kind of like dispersed, and everybody in the oficinas heard about what happened, mm-hmm. and it scared the people so much that basically it quelled all the strikes until the 1920s. So, pretty much for over a decade, people were scared to wow. say anything or do anything. But um, thankfully, in the 1920s, that's when the bare minimum was. Uh, I guess they were like. They were trying to make their lives better for the miners. Mm-hmm. So in the 1920s, they actually set a maximum hour of work per days and uh, they signed it into law that they had to pay them illegal tender. They couldn't do the whole monopoly money thing anymore. <laughs> Finally, I'm like, here's some money. Here's a livable wage as a treat. No, they didn't pay them more. Oh, not, not they even just livable gave them real money. Like instead of paying you five monopoly dollars, you get a real $5 bill. Yeah. And so um, when I, I, when I started my research, like I couldn't really find anything about this town. I, I don't know why I was drawn to talk about this town. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I remember seeing it on Destination Truth when we used to binge watch that show a lot. I don't remember <laughs> like why I wanted to talk about this specific factor. town. So I kind of started digging a little more into like what was going mm-hmm. on because a lot of the people, a lot of the bumpinos are being interviewed now. They're in their 50s and 60s now. They're still alive. Mm-hmm. And so these people that moved out of the town before uh, it became an actual ghost town or or that lived in the town before it became an actual ghost town tell a lot of like really, like really shitty stories, like really terrible things that would happen to them. Like, um, I think I mentioned to you, like we weren't trying to talk about what we were, what our stories were, but I think <laughs> I mentioned to you about how they use children in the mines. Um. In passing, I don't remember it. Right. So listen to this shit. I'm scared. So um, they would, you know, they try to blow up. I don't really know how mining works, but I guess it's like where they try to set TNT or the whatever it is and blow up. And then I guess like get into a further cavern and then dig further. You know what I'm talking about? Um, you set a charge like, and it explodes and it makes a hole and then you set another charge and it makes a bigger hole and you okay. set another charge and it gets further in. So mm. sometimes there would be crevices that were very small that mm. people couldn't fit in. So what they would do is they would pull these kids out of school because remember, they're owned by the same guy. Everything's owned by the same guy in that town. He'd be like, hey, go get that kid. Bring him over here to the mine. They would bring that kid over to the mine 
set him set him with some charges and put him in the the crevice and just make him crawl all the way to the back and set the the charges the explosives mm-hmm. um so what they would usually try to do was pull the kid out fast enough before it went out went before it exploded because back then in the day they didn't have those weird fucking plunger things that you see on cartoons to set the Plungers. set the fucking tnt off or the remote <laughs> controls we have it was the 19 you know the 1900s they didn't have that shit back then it wasn't like wily coyote trying to kill the roadrunner or anything they didn't mm-hmm. have that so they actually had the kids set the charges and then they would try to pull them really pull pull them out really fast or crawl back or whatever a lot of the times the kids didn't make it back they would actually blow up with the charges where they were setting them this is a very depressing pilot yes very depressing and then um a a little girl that uh well she wasn't a little girl at the point that i uh that I watched the interview for, but it, this interview was on YouTube mm-hmm. and she was talking about how they would be in class and all of a sudden the bell would toll and they would look around in class and see who was missing. Cause at that point they knew that there was an accident in the mine and one of the kids had just died. What the fuck? Right. Enough to have like their own little system. That's like the type of shit that you see from like, I don't know why that just reminded me of like the hunger games. Yeah. Like pretty much like blow the cannon to Boom. like, yeah. And the like, this child died and it's like um jeez dude and that's kind of what i mean like even though i'm sure the government admitted to whatever happened like all these kids are probably not still alive but like their grandkids are still alive like those grandkids i'm sure know the story of how their great uncle and great aunt died yeah it's really sad um let's see what else the adults okay so that's how they treated the kids the adults got treated worse. Oh, God. If there was any sign of slow working, rebelling, if you fought with your manager or your boss or whoever was on the horse whipping your ass, mm-hmm. um, they would do a few things to you. They regularly practiced human sacrifice Okay. to promote more work in the other workers. This they would is... say, hey, we're going to kill this guy so you guys don't talk back. So they would practice human sacrifice regularly. They would also chain you to a post in the middle of the desert and not give you water. And you were out there chained to that post for days. And remember I said that the temperatures got to 100 during the day and freezing at night. Oh, my God. Yeah. No. Or another one, another one that I saw that they were talking about a lot is that they would get this like this little metal, this metal box that they would put you in. Mm-hmm. And there was no light, no airflow, nothing. They'd stick you in this box and lock you in for days as well. And I mean, like, it's metal and it's out in the desert. So I would imagine that it would get really hot if yeah. you were in there. You oh, you were probably baking in that box like a cake. Jeez, that's fucking terrible. Yeah. And this was not even 100. Well, now it's 100 years ago. But can you, can you imagine people being treated like that? Like, after the 1900s? well i mean never mind there was a holocaust so and that happened after the 1900s it's just fucking terrible okay i already told you about um the boiling bats of hot water that they used to clean that with i kind of got a got out of uh out of sync and started talking about things too early the life expectancy of an adult in humberstone or in any oficina the maximum age was 45 
you were not expected to live past 45 because of the conditions, the nutrition, the weather, the treatment. That was the average age everybody died. And now keep in mind, these shitty hospitals out there, when you would lose a limb, didn't really have any medicine. Yeah. So you'd die in the hospitals. You get your limbs chopped off, you'd end up in the hospital, you'd die in the hospital. All these kids that would get run over, these sick kids. So a lot of these people would get sick, get a cold, get the flu, or have malnutrition, and they would just die in the hospital. A lot of people died in the hospital in Humberstone. And a lot of the other oficinas. Can I can I please get a happy ending in this as a treat? Unfortunately, <laughs> it just gets worse. Well, I mean... Okay, less people dying. Please. I'm working my way to the good part. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, um, now that I gave you a lot of the history of like these towns and these oficinas... Specifically, Humberstone has been named one of the most haunted sites in the world. All this shit that happened, all these people that died, all this like just negative emotional energy, this whipping, this sacrifice and everything has uh, made it a very popular ghost hunting spot, pretty much. A lot of the residents from Iquique, which I told you were like 30 minutes away, do not step foot in Humberstone at all. It's just... I, in a lot of the interviews, I heard that like, um, so it's like kind of a tourist trap. People go during the day, they have tours and you walk around and talk about stuff. But supposedly a lot of those people say that like, as soon as it's nighttime, the vibe just completely changes. It's like the air is heavy and it just feels like anything could happen. Like you're walking around and fucking Bigfoot's going to come around the corner. Like just the vibe is just so heavy and dark. Mm-hmm. So a lot of things that happen here is um, shadow people. Shadow people will be seen in buildings. Shadow people will be seen walking around like between the buildings and stuff. And um, a lot of that's reported that um, some of them have been caught on camera, pictures and stuff like that. Would you like to um, describe what a shadow person is to someone that may not know what it is? Okay, so pretty much a shadow person is a silhouette or a shadow that looks like a person and it walks around of its own accord. Like you could just be walking in your kitchen and there's a fucking shadow person just standing there, like just looking at you, cooking some ramen, getting ready to eat, scaring the shit out of you. You better run the fuck out of your house. Wow. So and and these these shadow people are reported a lot. I don't think it's very much demonic, but it's like places with, with a very negative energy, with a very bad history. They're reported. Yeah. People that uh, have sleep paralysis. People with sleep paralysis see shadow people a lot. Yeah. The hat man. Love okay. me a good hat man. That's, that's its own story. Maybe we'll talk about that later. Later. I don't have an issue with ghost hunting. But I feel like it, there's like a very thin line where it seems a little disrespectful, especially in places like these where it's like, you know, how many people died. It's like it's like trying to convince people to be like, oh, my God, let's go ghost hunting in, in fucking Auschwitz. Like, you don't do that. Yeah, <laughs> that's just I don't know. Like, it just seems very disrespectful. It's yeah. like you, if you know the history, especially it's like I understand the whole tourist part of it. Like, that's fine. The locals need an economy too, like it's helping them. But to kind of like sneak in and do like a little ghost tour with like EVP or stuff, like that's very I don't know. It rubs me the wrong way. 
Right. I hate but that I phrase, think it's but... just human nature for us to want to know what's what's out there after we die. Yeah. Where do we go? What happens? And I think that's why a lot of these people go out and ghost hunt. Go out and like bust into these abandoned buildings that probably aren't very safe to be running around in the middle of the night. And I feel like that's just human nature. So mm. I do understand where you're coming from, that it may seem disrespectful. But at the same time, I'd probably want to go ghost hunting there. Oh, wow. No disrespect to all the people mm. that died. Let's fight. I mean, like, I couldn't disrespect them more than their government, like, not actually saying that they Jeez. killed them until 100 <laughs> years later. No. Like, I don't think I could do any worse than that. Chile. Uh, the country, not the uh, food. Chile, pendejo. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> this is for the English speakers. Chile. Chile. South America. Chile. Um, so I did watch a few videos where people were being interviewed. Mm-hmm. And um, so they were telling a bunch of stories about what happened. So this guy specifically, Orlando Vargas, mm-hmm. um, was being interviewed. And he said that, uh, so this is this freaked me out. This totally like made the hair on the back of my neck stand up. He said he was, um, I think he was a security guard is what he was. Mm-hmm. And so he, you know, he has to walk around the site at night and he ended up going into one of the buildings. I believe it was a hospital. And in the hospital, he was walking down the hallway and he felt like there was a point where like he felt like he was walking through water, like his body was so heavy and like time was slowing down and he could feel his arms swinging slowly and it was getting so hard for him to move. And he just felt a presence behind him. Hell no. And he said, he's like. I don't know. I did not want to turn around. He's like, I felt like if I turned around, I wasn't going to live to see the next day. He's like, it was like a powerful, primal, evil, dark thing behind me. And he's like, I was afraid to turn around and see what it was. I didn't want to know. And I just kept walking, praying while I was walking and walked out of that building and never looked back. And I actually think he quit after that. (laughs) Shit. Shit, I would too, huh? I mean, it's something like that, like, yeah, probably, like, if you can feel just pure evil, I'm like, you know what? Maybe I don't mind working at... A Chili's. A Chili's. Welcome to Chili's. <laughs> A Chili's and Chili. How great. So that was pretty spooky. A lot of tourists in at the Sunesco site um, will take pictures. You know, like, when you go visit a place with your family, you're like, almost, vamos a tomarnos fotos. So you're like, let me take this picture with my family, like... Looking all cute, doing your poses, Charlie's Angel pose or whatever. What'll happen a lot of the time is that there'll be faces in the windows in the building behind them. Faces, people standing. And, and you know, like, when you take a picture like that and you look at it, you're, you're obviously saying there's other tourists walking around. It was probably somebody standing in the building. And a lot of the times it won't be anybody that was in that building. It's a ghost. Oh, God. Poking through and saying hello. Hi. Prom posing in the back. Pretty much. Pretty much. Mm. So, and I did see a lot of examples of these pictures. I wish, I mean, obviously this is a podcast. We can't show the pictures, but some of the pictures are really creepy. Like there was a picture where this lady is from Europe, I believe. And she posted a picture and she posted a picture on her Instagram and she was in front of the school. And in the back behind her, you can see like a person standing like in the building Mm-hmm. But the thing about it was that it creeped me out was the eyes didn't look right on this person. It was like they were glowing, kind of. Like those stories you hear about El Diablo with the red eyes and stuff oh in the dark. God. That's what I thought about when I saw this picture. And I was like, fuck, no, I would have ran my ass out of there through the desert. Hell no. 
Well, even if we can't share the pictures, I mean, I'm sure listeners can Google it. What would they Google? Can you? Just pictures of Humberstone, haunted pictures or. See, what I ha- what I did was went on YouTube and I watched a bunch of interview videos. Um, Specifically, oh, the show's called Rasgos. And Rasgos did um a whole two hour long episode. On YouTube? On you- And it's on YouTube. Okay. The show. Can you spell that? Is it in Spanish? It is in Spanish. Okay, so for Spanish speakers, it's called... Rasgos. For English speakers, I'm sorry, but believe us. Okay, so this is actually Ricardo Cortez. He was actually a former security guard. I think Orlando Vargas was a museum, like one of the tourist people. That uh, Not the tourist people, the people that show the tourists around, the host. That's like... A tour guide? Tour guide, that's the word. Okay. He's like, this building is the hospital. Look, look at this hospital. But anyway, so Orlando Vargas was a tour guide. Mm-hmm. Um, Ricardo Cortez was a security guard. And he, uh, on his interview, he talked about a lot of hearing a lot of voices. He would, you can, at night specifically, you can constantly hear voices like talking like male and female voices screaming, wailing, like, you know, obviously like a lot of bad things happened to these people. So they probably died screaming. So it's like the last, like you hear it a lot. Like a lot of EVPs will catch all this, all this screaming and wailing and, and the talking. And it's just very, very dissonant whispering, very creepy. Mm -hmm. So a lot of, uh, some of the things that also happened is um they report seeing this lady in white in the hospital. This lady walking around in a white dress. So this uh museum expert that actually lives in Kika now, he doesn't do he doesn't do tours at Humberstone anymore. It's another tour guide. He refuses to work there. But he talks about how he was walking around uh he was investigating the hallways and the rooms in the hospital. Out of his peripheral vision to his right, he saw a lady standing there in white and he refused to look at her. Oh my god. He was like, I'm not crazy. Like I know what that is. I'm gonna keep walking and I'm gonna pretend like it's not there. And he just kept walking. Like she was like standing in the corner? Yep. Right oh next god. to him. Oh, walking next to him. Yeah. Oh my god, that's even worse. Like imagine just like walking down the hall and suddenly like you feel something next to you, like and then you fucking see it. I would poop my pants. Yeah. No, it's not a great time. Um, A couple of other, uh, uh, another one of the buildings that, that has a, a lot of reported um, paranormal activity is a theater as well. Um, and in the theater, there's a lot of orbs that you can see with the naked eye. Like it's not you taking a picture of orbs. You can actually see the orbs when you walk in, like white floating orbs. People are reported being sit, sit down in the seats, mm-hmm. in the I know the theater seats or behind the stage, the curtains will move. You'll hear walking around. You'll hear talking. And I don't know, like, I don't really believe mediums or whatever. Like when people are like, I feel a spirit here. It's a little girl that died with her Barbie <laughs> in her hand. Um, But in this interview, they actually had a medium. And the medium was like, um, in this town, there is a very powerful entity that mm-hmm. pretty much controls the rest of the ghost here. So when this entity feels like he pretty much turns the switch on and that's when all the paranormal activity happens. But basically the paranormal activity in the town is centered in the theater. Like it's where the most, I guess like the most 
evil is mm-hmm. and he's like i feel it here this is where it starts this is where it branches out oh my god but um if anybody's ever in chile and in there in the atacama desert go ahead and visit humberstone and um that is actually that's it that's the story of humberstone chile good job that was a fun story yeah and i thought my notes sucked and i actually talked a lot so what are you going to talk about today um my topic I feel like yours wasn't bad. Now I feel like mine probably should have been first because it's not that. Well, okay. So basically my story is Mothman. Oh, hell no. Nah. Bree, this is for you. <laughs> Shout out, Bree. <laughs> yeah, I, I told you about that time that I was at. Uh, we were just like working. You know, mm-hmm. I'm over here typing my little invoices, working in my accounting department or whatever. And I don't know why. I think I was listening to a YouTube video and talking about Mothman. And then my coworker, Brie, was like, that's real? I thought that was just a movie. <laughs> and I was like, honey, sit down. I'm about to tell you something. Don't tell her. And I, I had her freaked out by the end of her. that 20-minute talk. Just a little bit. I told her a little bit about what, what happened. And Whitney was helping. And we were talking mm. about it because Whitney loves that paranormal shit, too. You should have. You should have told her. Sorry, you have to wait for the pilot episode. I'm gonna tell them about it so she can actually hear from big start to end. Okay. Well, I I don't know. Okay, let's just begin. Whatever. <coughs> okay. So my topic is Mothman. So a few of my sources. I wanted to cite my sources. Sorry, I know you didn't, and I don't want you to feel like you have to. But you know, I feel like in case people want to, um, eventually kind of do their own thing or kind of. And I think my notes are very general. So if they want like little tiny little details, I'm sure they they can. Okay, so my sources are a YouTube channel by uh, the channel Monstrum by Dr. Emily Zarka, which was very informative. That's where I got most of my first half of my notes. You know what? You know, you'll know what I'm talking about in a second. Hold on. There was another Vice article by Josh Terry at Vice.com. Two Singular 14 articles by Tobias Wayland at Singular14.com. And a Chicago Tribune article by Ted Slowick and Wikipedia. Okay, so set the scene. It's Point Pleasant, West Virginia, USA. I really want to sing that West Virginia song, but it might be copyrighted. And I don't want to get sued on the pilot episode. We don't have any money. Please don't get us sued. Please don't sue us. I have $3. Okay. So basically, Mothman, um, it's been described as a winged humanoid creature with glowing red eyes. That's a good general description. That's the devil. Well, I'm sure it it corroborates a few sightings from the devil. But basically, that's a very... And you'll notice, like, you will hear that there's people that have described it differently. So, okay, so November 12, 1966, a group of five grave diggers uh, described a creature gliding through the trees. Like, I guess they were digging graves. That's weird that that was a job. I'm sorry. <laughs> that still is a job. Who oh, do you no think, way. Who do you think uh, digs up the dirt when you go bury your loved ones okay. in, a, in a cemetery? I mean, like... Not like a full-time job. It's a full-time job. Oh, it's a full- okay, listen. <laughs> you have to take care of the grounds <laughs> and dig the holes. What do you think? I'm stupid. Disregard that. 
I, I can edit this out, but I'm not going to. Um, okay, so grave of, uh, group of five grave diggers described the creature as gliding through the trees. So they were basically digging. So on Nove- November 15, 1966, which was three days later, Roger and Linda Scarberry and Steve and Mary Millette were driving down Route 62 and reported to have seen a large man with wings standing in the middle of the road with reflective red eyes. Um, they described him as being six or seven feet tall with a, about a wingspan of 10 feet. Oh, hell no. Okay. So to anyone, I'm sorry, I'm using them in feet, but I don't know meters because I'm American. So they decided to just get the fuck out of there. And they started speeding up to like 100 miles per hour. And in the 1960s, that's a lot. So them little cars, their windshields would bust in people's faces. Was that in the 60s or was that in the 30s when they would do that? Like the Great Gatsby? Yeah. Uh, That was the 20s. They described the the creature like flying directly behind them. Even though they were going 100 miles per hour, that dude was like flying. Boy was like hauling ass to like catch up to them. So the Point Pleasant Register was the first to report the story. And it just spread like throughout the country after that. So they're like their local newspaper interviewed them. And I think the article was like was like flying creature or something. So within the year, a hundred sightings were reported in the Point Pleasant area and they were all like one after the other corroborated the previous encounter. So one would say, oh, I saw this tall man with a wingspan of 10 feet. And the next dude would be like, me too. And the next one would be like, oh my God, me too. But each person that said something always added something a little different saying like, you know, describing its behavior. Some of you were even adding characteristics of the creature, such as feathers. So this is kind of what I meant, where some people kind of described it as a winged human or creature with red eyes. Some described it having feathers. So on December 15, 1967, exactly 13 months after the first sighting, the silver bridge that connected Ohio and West Virginia collapsed. So it killed 46 people in the collapse. Um, It was discovered that a single eye bar fractured and it caused the pin that held it in place to give out. So like most of these... Yeah, like December 15, most of these people were like crossing the river to like go Christmas shopping or something. Right, right. Because this was the town where like the business district was on one side and the residential district. And then on the other side, it was like where the shops and the restaurants were and stuff like that, right? Yep. Something like that. Mm-hmm. So people had to regular co- regularly commute from one side of the town to the other side of the town. Yes. Like it was it was a, a bridge that was used quite frequently. Right. So basically that event kind of cemented Mothman as being a bad omen to the locals because uh, there was a theory. OK, so the event cemented the creature as a bad omen to the locals because there were reports. Or there was a few people that said that they saw it standing above the bridge when it collapsed. Oh, no. And some people even mentioned that it was like flying around as they were trying to like help these people out of it. What if, what if he was just trying to hold the bridge up like Superman showing up? See, that's the thing, too. Like, this is the first time that it's been like it was used as a bad omen. Yeah. But you can also do it in the reverse and say that it was there to kind of warn people. Right. I've heard that theory as well. Mm-hmm. What does the movie? What's the stance in the movie? I don't remember. All I remember was John Cusack. Oh, I think I'm sorry. I was really little. <laughs> I never saw the movie. I probably should have. Oh, my God. Are like you this. serious? I know. The, uh, over the weekend when when Rigo said, we should watch Mothman Prophecies. I was like, oh, sure. And because, then it was on nothing. Not yeah, Hulu, not it. Amazon Prime. You know not... what? That's my excuse. Why isn't it on streaming services? Because they want you to pay for it. Actually, I'm sure it might be like on some 
weird like hbo i don't know it's weird that like you haven't seen the movie but you know about the story and then brie only saw the movie and didn't know about the story <laughs> yes okay so <laughs> there was a theory the like you know people trying to rationalize the creature um some people suggested that what people were seeing were actually sandhill cranes because of the red patterns around their eyes some say the sightings were owls with pigment retinas reflecting off light which i guess in some cases it would make sense i mean if you see like if you're out at night and then you see like a big ass bird in the bushes with like a red spot and then it just extends its wings you're like oh fuck what is that a moth a moth man a moth <laughs> mothman stop don't say <laughs> like, it like like, <laughs> like a last name just mothman mothman okay so basically the event inspired the mothman prophecies by John Keel, like you said. Oh, it was a book, actually. Uh-huh. It was a book written first by John Keel, and it eventually became a film adapted that I never saw, starring uh, Richard Gere. There's actually a local statue of Mothman in Richard Point Gere? Gere. Are did you I, serious? Did, I, did that autocorrect? What is it supposed to be? Richard who? I thought it was John Cusack. I'm just going to say Richard That's Gere. That's crazy. That's the Mandela effect. Nuh-uh. I could I could swear it was John Cusack. Mm. Whoa, that's weird. Okay, that's gonna be weird if we get like emails. Um, people. Am saying, I the only one that like, remembers it like that? Blah, then blah, blah. was maybe he was in the movie and he was just he just wasn't the main character. <laughs> I don't know, but I swear I remember John Cusack being the main character in that movie. I mean, I. I've never seen it, so like, oh, we need to watch it. Okay, let's this would watch be the it. perfect time. Like, yeah, you've seen those well, posts where people are like the Berenstein Bears and the Berenstein oh, Bears, effects, yeah. and that person. Those that- are kind of scary because I feel like that I've had situations where I've experienced something like that, and I'm like, no, no, I don't want to kinda think about it. It's a little scary. Not like scary, but it kind of like freaks me out. Yeah. Well, there's been some like some. Real. Specifically, like, I can remember the Berenstein books. Um, some lady came out with, like, a copy of the book that was spelled the other way. And mm-hmm. she's like, then what is this? If it's that way, what the fuck is this? And we were like, whoa, that book made it into our reality. Oh, shit. The thing is, is I think it's Berenstein, like, S-T-A-I-N. Sorry. I'm, I think it's Berenstein because that's how it's pronounced. If it were E-I-N, it would be Berenstein. That's how I, I pronounced it. I went to school in Florida. Yeah, that's exactly how I remember it. (laughs) We're getting way off topic. Sorry. Um, So, yeah, there's a local statue of Mothman in Point Pleasant. And if you've ever seen it, okay, not to be weird, but that statue got that wagon. Ooh, he thick. He thick. Okay. (laughs) Look up, like, Google a picture of this uh, Mothman statue. And, boy, he got that wagon. If I back it up. Is it sad <laughs> Okay. Is that copyrighted? Yes, probably. Oh, fuck. Please don't sue us. I have $3. I watch too many TikToks. Okay, so there were online rumors of Mothman <laughs> sightings. There were online rumors of Mothman sightings before the Chernobyl disaster and 9-11. I can't corroborate. Oh, I remember that. That mm-hmm. somebody, like, I, I came out, like, years later that supposedly mothman was seen like before their chernobyl disaster mm-hmm. that's so weird yeah but what a coincidence fair. that nobody talked about it before yeah. it was only after mm-hmm. i mean it's possible i mean and even like 9 11 i'm sure that there's like some 
edited video of someone editing a flying moth. I don't know. Sorry, one thing I should mention is that there was another theory of supposedly there were radioactive areas around Point Pleasant. I don't know what the theory is exactly. I didn't write in my notes. I think that like leans more it being like alien is what that means, right? Because usually when an alien comes, like it's super radioactive. No, I meant like radioactive, like because of uh, pollution. Like oh, okay, not like Mothman causing the radioactive. No, (laughs) I meant like a moth fell into a radioactive tub and became the first X Men. He is um, what is it called? He's Mothman. No, when you the animals, they're gonna get mutated. He's mutating the animals. We're bad at words, but I'm gonna move on. Okay. That was my first half of my notes. My second, in 2017, there were 55 reported sightings in Chicago between April to July. Hold on. I'm going to hold on because I'm scared. Why? Because we go to Chicago all the time. Yeah. I remember the last time we were there, you said something about, oh, there were Mothman. A flying man is what I told you. Oh my God! It's, See, and the thing is, is like I didn't think I didn't put two and two together when you, all you said was like, "Oh, near the Congress Theater, there's a flying man," and I was like, "Shut the fuck up!" I didn't. <laughs> well, okay, that, that makes me seem angry. No, but, but you really do talk to me like that, so don't hide so, it now. Don't uh, hide it now. Okay, tell anyway, everybody. Between April and July, there were 55 reported sightings in Chicago, which is like Chicago land area. Right. So there was an eyewitness, John. Amitrano thought he saw a plane, but then noticed how awkwardly it was flying. So this is one of the first reported sightings. He said, end quote, it didn't look like a bat so much as what illustrations of pterodactyls look like. I know what birds and bat look, bats look like. This thing did not have any fur or feathers, and it didn't fly like anything I've ever seen. Um, he also added that the creature had muscular legs and a jutting tailbone. So. That wagon. <laughs> he... He, he thick. He doesn't so, skip leg day. He really doesn't. If he got muscular legs, like what moth has muscular legs? Name one. Mothman. Okay. Um, it, eyewitnesses spotted the creature mid-flight. Some people say that they, it would drop onto car hoods and like peer into windows. So like if you imagine like just trying to go to sleep with like the fucking blinds open and you just see like fucking deep red eyes just looking at you. I don't think I included it in this one, but there was one lady reported that she was driving and that Mothman, like, or something big, I guess, landed on her car hood and was, like, riding along with her. And eventually, I think when she stopped at a red light, the thing was still there. Did he pay her gas money? (laughs) He just hopped on for the ride. He really did. Hell no, that would have scared the shit out of me. God, imagine, like, driving and you see the little fingers on the side. Oh, stop. Please, (laughs) I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight. Okay, so Lon Strickler, a paranormal researcher, uh, theorized that there were at least three Mothmans. Mothmans. Mothmen. There were three Mothmen around Chicago due to such varied locations. So, basically, he's saying, like, the one creature cannot be, like, in all these parts at the same time. So, it has to be multiple of these creatures. I don't know what just happened. I'm I, not going to say anything. I, I hit my face. Okay. It was the ghost. So on November 26, 2019, a man spotted a seven foot tall person with wings, quote, in a parking lot near a cargo dock at O'Hare Airport in Chicago. 
Uh, the creature began flapping its wings while walking away from the building towards an open field. Then it flew away. Wait, did we watch this interview? It was a Hispanic guy, right? I don't think we watched it, but I think I read it to you. Gotcha. Uh, well, I think it came out... If if the event occurred in November 26th, I told you about it in December. So this was just a few months ago. Um, the witness stated that he's been to the location multiple times before. So he estimated the height of the creature using the fence as a reference. So, I mean, if you walk by the same place and say, oh, that's probably eight feet. I mean... And, the creature was probably near that. Okay, his description of the creature like corroborates many other sightings in the area, such as being a bat-like, bird-like, red-eyed, and leathery. He added that it had a demonic aura, and it was it had a very duende-like features. So duendes are basically goblins in Latin America, and I know um, the Philippines had its own version of it, but they're basically goblins, and you don't fuck with them. Out of all scary stories in Latin America, duendes are the few that actually scare me. And it's crazy because my aunts always post, like, pictures of, like, little gnomes and garden gnomes. And I'm like, I know what you're trying to do, but that's a fucking garden gnome from Lowe's. Anyway, besides the point. So, the witness mentioned that there was a very heavy presence of evil, and he refused to talk about it after that. A lot of these people are under the impression that if you talk about it, it comes to you again, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, when asked if he had seen something similar before, oh, this is a, sorry, this is a direct quote from the article. I could not put it in my own words, and this was written very nicely. So when asked if he had seen something similar before, the witness stated that he had before when he was a teenager back home in Mexico. The witness stated that he saw a solid black winged creature that was circulating an open field that he and other children were playing soccer in. He stated it circled the field and made a loud screeching noise before flying off into the surrounding forest. When I asked him if he remembered the date of the situation, he stated that he did not remember the exact date, but a week later there was a large earthquake in Mexico City. For the record, the magnitude 8.0 earthquake that hit Mexico City was on September 19, 1985. He was there too. Mm-hmm. The aforementioned earthquake happened at... This is no longer the quote. So, the aforementioned earthquake happened at 7.17 a.m. with two large aftershocks, resulting in the death of at least 5,000 people, 412 collapsed buildings, and 3,124 severely damaged buildings. It was estimated to be 3 to $4 billion of damage. So, that was bad. So, basically, like, Mothman happens to be around when disasters happen. Mm-hmm. Um, additional sightings happened all over the Chicagoland area as north as Rosemont Beach and as south as Tinley Park. But that's just north to south. East to west, I didn't write it down. There were also sightings in Milwaukee, but this is not about them, so we're going to exclude them. There is a map online called the Chicago and Regional Winged Humanoid slash Flying Entity Sightings and Encounters Interactive Map. So I included five of the few that were the most scary. And also there's a, you know, a few that, you know... Shout out to the family I got out there. So August 2016 in Cicero, Illinois, a man witnessed a seven foot tall humanoid creature with red amber eyes perched on a streetlight above him. Um, he put his hands to block the light. So he tried to look up and block the light. And the creature reacted by flapping its wings twice and flying away. Like imagine just standing under a fucking streetlight and that thing is above you. 
On February 8, 2017, in Chicago Ridge, Illinois, uh, witnesses driving southbound on I-294 saw that they what they described as a, quote, person running on two legs across a highway that shapeshifted into a large blackbird and flew up and away. On May 5, 2017, in Calumet Park on the east side, shout out the east side. Um, law enforcement officer, his son, and other witnesses saw a blackish, grayish humanoid flying in the sky with wings that appeared to be 8 to 10 feet in width. Um, August 13, 2017, uh, in the city of Chicago, a witness and his girlfriend felt something fly over them after Lollapalooza. Uh, they ignored it and kept walking, and when they noticed a large black creature about 7 feet in height hunched over in a field. Um, it unfolded its wings, described it almost 10 feet in width across, and flew away. This happened in a matter of five seconds. So there was people that witnessed all of this. August 27th, 2017, in Forest Park, Illinois, a retired Michigan police officer visiting his mother at an assistant living facility began walking his mother's dog around 8.45 p.m. He noticed a black creature described as a dark gargoyle perched and crouched on a rooftop of a community built center building. Standing about 50 feet away, the creature began to make a guttural growling sound, causing the dog to bark. Uh, the witness noticed small glowing red eyes claw-like hands and a dark membrane covering the wings like fucking jeepers creepers he estimated (laughs) can you imagine that's the wrong state buddy you're supposed to be in florida jeepers creepers is in florida yes maybe the (laughs) sunshine state okay you got the skunk ape and the everglades and jeepers creepers flying around stealing your eyes in the country okay shut up florida man (laughs) So he estimated the wingspan to be about 15 feet in width. So it dropped its wings and propelled itself into the air, making no sound as it ascended. That's scary. Um, so there is a local theory that was circling around. Um, I don't know who exactly started it, but my sister Carla told me about it. Uh, so basically, as I mentioned before, the sightings of Mothman have been said to be omens of a disaster. There is one currently circulating in the Chicagoland area that Mothman sightings may be a warning for the I-80 bridge in Joliet over the Des Plaines River. Um, so the bridge is ugly and in disrepair. I've seen it. This is true. Yeah. And it's scary, honestly. It's rusty I, as hell. I feel like I have to hold my breath every time I drive over it. And even I have friends on Facebook that have said, like, don't fucking drive on this. Local, city, and state representatives kept pushing it off of each other, causing the bridge to get worse over time. So some local officials would be like, this isn't a local issue. This is a state issue. State issues would be like, no, this is a federal issue. Federal people would be like, no, this is a city issue. The previous Illinois governor, Bruce Rauner, made obvious efforts to make himself an enemy of organized labor unions. So in response, construction unions paid to display cross bridge at your own risk on electronic electronic billboards near the bridge i think you've seen those right yeah so this eventually caused motorists to generate support for an infrastructure bill yeah there's just signs everywhere like some are like electronic billboards where it says like cross at your own risk so on january 14 2019 illinois the illinois new governor jb pritzer was sworn in and in late june 2019 he signed the bipartisan bill named rebuilt illinois which was worth 45 billion dollars to repair illinois infrastructure uh, the I-80 bridge has become a poster child for the new bill, so hopefully it doesn't collapse. But if you want, you can still avoid it. So. Especially because Mothman's flying around. Yeah, I mean, if the first sightings were in 2017, like, it's been three years, like, I would not risk it. Like, at that point, if you see Mothman, you better 
Make sure everything is fucking taped up. Make sure what everything. If he just likes the weather. He just wants to live there. Chicago does not have the nicest weather. Oh yeah, you're right. Well, I mean, between April and July, I'm, I'm sure he's not on vacation. But I don't know, maybe. So that's my story, of Mothman. Hey, that was great. Thanks. I feel like your mine. I don't know. Mine wasn't that great. It was good. Three out of ten. Mm, Three out of five. Seven point five out of nine. Oh wow, you did not have to be that honest. I'm just kidding. It was a nine. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, thanks for listening to our la- our first episode last. of Guess Spooky. <laughs> first and last episode. First and we last. can't afford another one. Exclusive. So I guess uh, we're gonna try to like tell scary stories, tell urban legends, tell murders, just from all around the world. I think it's really interesting. A lot of uh, the podcasts that we we usually listen to or stories that we listen to really stick to like a very USA-centered, Canada-centered, and I think it's a little time for a change. Yeah, I, I definitely feel like Latin America is not homogenous, so I feel like every single country and then even then, every single region has like its own kind of scary stories. Send us your scary stories. Well, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> we'll eventually get there. Yeah, I mean, you can. Or legends. Maybe yeah, some folklore some suggestions. Like that, that people know. Suggestions would be really appreciated if you have any. I already have a topic for the next episode. Well, I do too. But Nuh-uh. I cannot wait oh to God. talk about Bruja stories. Uh will scare the own, shit out of me. That should be its own special. You know what? When I you know what I was thinking about when you talked about Mothman flying over the kids playing soccer? What? I'm like, that's a bruja. <laughs> Oh my god! She was like, I didn't even. Around. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, fucking witch. <laughs> so thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the first, not the last, episode. The pilot episode. The pilot episode. Hey hey, bye. Hey wait, thanks for listening. Please follow us on Instagram at Guestbookie Podcast. Also, email us any story suggestions or your own scary stories at guestbookiepodcast at gmail.com. We want to give special thanks to Cody Barnes, Taylor Turner for the artwork, and Kyle Fields for the intro music. Bye!